We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, presented by DraftKings 2021 AT&T, Byron Nelson, DraftKings picks and previews, sponsored by, get this, DraftKings. So we're going to jump right into it, but first, I do need to let you know all the final picks, all the weather report, and extra stats are going to be in the Mayo Media Newsletter on Wednesday evening. There might even be a special newsletter coming out on Tuesday afternoon as well as a preamble, and then we'll have the final picks on Wednesday evening, so go sub to that in the description of the video and podcast. Down there as well, you'll find the Listener's League link, 3,000 spots this week, it's already 66% full, $15 to play, 3 max entry, no rake. The best tournament you can play in on DraftKings. We're going to try to blow this out for the PGA Championship as well. So once we start rolling out content for that, we will have a gigantic listeners league available for everyone. So get your teams in now before it ends up completely full. Plus, fantasynational.com slash Mayo gets you 20% off all the tools, all the stats, simulations, the lineup generator, the most customizable stat database on the planet. Fantasynational.com slash Mayo gets you 20% off. If you get the weekly on Wednesday, you get Wednesday to Wednesday. So you get both the Byron Nelson and the PGA Championship, at least the lead-in to the tournaments, plus all the live stats for the Byron Nelson. So you might as well double dip if you're thinking about becoming a first-time member at fantasynational.com in the newsletter i'll have my cheat sheet link as well you can find it on dk playbook along with my article there's the shows from the past week but joining me right now from dk live it is dj jazzy jeff Ulrich. what's going on not too much man excited for the pj championship coming up get a little action in here on the the byron nelson new new turn or new new course coming up seems uh seems a little more interesting than trinity forest which was just like one big open flat space so i'm doing good man well on yesterday's show i talked about dustin johnson how i want to play dustin johnson then i was thinking Mm -hmm. about doubling dustin johnson together 
with now and the PGA Championship to really boost up the odds. Then all of a sudden, like five minutes after I post the show, he withdraws from the tournament. So thanks, DJ, for that. So he has a knee injury, so he can't play in the Byron Nelson. But over the weekend, he's doing backflips off a yacht. So maybe he hurt himself doing the backflips. I don't know. But it just seems like he might be putting together uh, a bit more effort into Kiowa Island his in his home state. What, what do you think about that? Yeah, I, I mean, it sounds like we had similar Mondays because I think I spent uh, a good hour on a show talking about how I thought Dustin Johnson was the preferred payup option for me and uh, would have been a nice pick. He typically plays well the week before majors and then basically the show ended and he withdrew. So that was fun as well for me. Uh, but no, I agree. I don't think there's anything wrong with Dustin Johnson. I just probably just figures he feel, feels comfortable in his practice, if anything. And like you said, it's his home state. Uh, I think he's going to be a really interesting play next week. I'm not sure if I'm going to bet him at whatever price he'll be at, but um, yeah, absolutely. I was bullish on him here and probably be bullish on him for next week too. I was thinking about betting him at the PGA championship at 12 to one. Hopefully the news about this knee injury can push him down to like 14 or 16 to one because because then all of a sudden it's a bit more enticing. It's not going to make him shorter. Right. I mean, I think if anything, it'll push, you know, especially if like Bryson or Rom has a big week here, uh, it should push him up towards 15 to one. I think absolutely. I mean, I don't think you'll get anything crazy like 18 to one, but you know, books kind of when they first put out odds and majors, you can see some, some crazy numbers first. So definitely wait on DJ. I think you get a better number than 12. Well, and DJ withdrawing in this field, when we get to the pricing in a second, that it was a huge chasm between the haves and have nots in this field. There was like a very clear line of, Oh, these are the really good players. And then there's just absolutely everyone else in this tournament mix and match them however you want and now without dj is really going to concentrate ownership on the top i think yeah absolutely i mean this is uh you nailed it like it's it's a very top heavy field right like you've got a lot of big names here but it drops off real quick as we'll see uh, especially like once you get to the low ak range so yeah it's just gonna make unfortunately for ownership you know there, there's a couple players i think we'll, we'll everyone will like it's just going to be, you know, they're going to be like 30%, 25% owned, all of them, which is, you know, not that bad, I guess. You know, we it's not like we're we're heading into like, you know, Christian McCaffrey, you know, 60% territory or something when he's 9K, but it is going to be concentrated on a few guys for sure uh, that are, uh, you know, both elite players and, and pro- appropriately priced, so. TPC Craig Ranch, the first of the next five years for the Byron Nelson, being the host course, 7,468 yards, par 72. Sung Kang is actually the defending champion from Trinity Forest two years ago. New course, wouldn't worry too much about that. I guess the other thing, too, it's a 156-man field, so it's going to be pretty dicey to get all your players through the cut line. We've seen a couple of these completely full fields so far over the past few weeks, and we've seen these 6 of 6 percentage hover around 5%, maybe less than 5%. It t- just takes one or two guys inside the top 10 of ownership to really cripple everyone's lineup. So the popular sleeper of the week, he misses all of a sudden. Five of six is looking really good. A viewer of the show actually came second in the $33 single entry last week with a five of six. So it's doable if you keep the six of six percentages down to around like three, four, five percent. Then a five of six can have a shot in either a three max or a single entry at that point if you just nail the rest of your lineup. You're not dead like you are in the $5 or even the $15, some of the larger GPPs on DraftKings. But when you look at this course, what type of skill set are you looking for? Because I'm thinking like uh, bombers, and if it's not bombers, it's shorter hitters with great long irons, and you got to be able to make some putts. Yeah, I I think it's going to be like a good all-around test. I mean, it's a Tom Weiskopf design, uh, 2004, was seen in competition, 2012, hosted the Corn Ferry Tour Championship, 
But you look, I mean, you look at the, the comparable Weisskopf designs on tour. And, and I think the most, the biggest one is TPC Scottsdale. It's, it's another TPC course. Um, and you look at the layout too. They're, they're both very similar yardages, but Craig Ranch is, is a 72. Uh, obviously Scottsdale is a 71, but you look at the layout. They, they both have attackable par fives. They have some long, tough par fours. And they have some drivable par fours as well. You look at, I think it's the sixth or fifth hole here at Craig Ranch. It actually looks very similar to the 17th, the drivable par four there. It just doesn't have water on it, but the layout looks very similar. So I think TPC Scottsdale is a very good comparison. Uh, and again, you mentioned bombers there. You got to be good off the TV. You really have to have a good all-around game. Like we see all styles uh, compete at, at TPC Scottsdale. So I think this is really more of an all-around test. Uh, I, I think it's going to be a good event, like a good venue. I, I don't think you're going to see a crazy birdie fest, but the scoring is going to be out there. It's a par 72. Like I said, so there's an extra par five in play that could drive the scoring uh, to, to 20 under if the wind stays down. But yeah, I, I think focusing on solid hitting off the tee, like doesn't have to be the, the craziest bomber in the world, but good solid off the, uh, off the tee stats. And then, like you said, you're going to have to sink some putts. You're, you're going to have to get your scoring clubs. So um, yeah, one of those things I wouldn't, overly emphasize any one thing but just i just want a guy who's good all-around form and hasn't been ice cold with the putter lately so looking at that right now then over their past 12 rounds played at tpc scottsdale the top 10 players in the field in terms of teed green hideki rom sergio spieth nasty nate lashley johnny vegas cooch ortiz kh lee and john send in the birdies it's been a while since he's been sending in that many birdies, but apparently yeah. he's over his past. I mean, those t- 12 rounds could be from like eight years ago for all I know with John Sendin <laughs> in Phoenix. But uh, those are the top guys that you'd be looking at right now. So let's jump in to the very top of the pricing board. Uh, obviously, Dustin Johnson was the most expensive player. He was ten or 11400 I suppose he still is. 11400 I would recommend not taking him. That's Pat's lock of the week. So that leaves Bryson... Um, as the highest price player at 11-2, then Rom at 11. You got Spieth, Hideki, and Berger, 10-7, 10-3, and 10-1. Who's the guy do you think no one's going to play here? Because I, I, Jeff and I talked about it a little bit on Monday's show, but it feels like the interest in Hideki is way down. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. You know, people people love to just play narratives. Like, like It's not even narratives. It's just like biases, like like almost like, you know, old wives tales in, in DFS golf. And one of the old wives tales is, Oh, a guy has, is going to be rusty coming back after he won a major. There's going to be a major hangover. There's no way he can play well after winning a major and beating the most elite players in the world. So I think, I think you're going to get that with Hideki this week. Uh, he's 10, three. He's also, you know, a little bit more expensive than Berger and Kepka and Zal Torres and all the kind of hot names under there. And you also don't have to do much to get up to Jordan Spieth, who I think people are, have gone back to trusting. So I think Spieth will definitely get, get some play. And, you know, I think if Dustin had been in this field, maybe you see Bryson's ownership had dipped a bit, but I don't think that's going to be the case anymore. Bryson is, is just a prolific drafting score. Obviously he just, he just rewarded the DFS community, you know, grinded through the cut, flew all the way back from Dallas, finished T9. You know, he's got, he's got, he's back in the good graces after that kind of performance. So I think that Matsuyama of the top, you know, six, seven players, he, he should garner the lowest ownership. I don't think Berger will be super highly owned either, but he's definitely going to be highly owned, more highly owned than Matsuyama, in my opinion, just because of the, the savings you're getting. So uh, if I had to rank those guys in terms of ownership, Matsuyama would be uh, coming in with the lowest. That's what Fantasy National is spitting out right now. Obviously, it's very early on a Tuesday, so you need to give this time for 
ownership to actually pile up people to go generate lineups to actually get a more realistic idea of what ownership is looking at like but it seems like Hideki is the only player basically above nine thousand dollars if you, I guess we include Sergio he's in the single digits Hideki's in the single digits and Bryson and Spieth kind of trump everyone else so it's Rom for me not that he's low owned by any means he'll be like 15 16 percent but I do think that I like him the best skill wise at this course I like that we're back on bent grass even looking at his numbers last week from Quail Hollow like they weren't bad he just couldn't ship or putt which is atypical for John Rom, but the driving was fine. It wasn't elite. The irons were fine. They were actually better than the field. So if he can just get back to driving the ball well and striking the ball well uh, with his irons, and you know, let the let the chipping and putting come along with it. So I think I like Rom by far the best of the. I mean, it's hard to say I like him that much more than Bryson, but I like the price discount. And I think I just like his skill set at this course a little bit more than Spieth, where, you know, Spieth's going to have to chip in a bunch of times. He's going to have to make a couple 40-foot bombs, which he can do. I just feel like Rom's path to winning this is much easier. Oh, absolutely. Look, I mean, John Rom had a 76, and then he came back and shot a 70. So, I mean, it's not like he had two disastrous rounds. He looked fine. He just he just had a bad Monday, or a bad Thursday, excuse me, on uh, on the greens and stuff like that. So, I, I agree. I mean, if we talked about TPC Scottsdale as a comparison Rom's kind of been very, very consistent on that layout. I would, I would give him the slight edge over Bryson as well if I had to choose. Look, Bryson gained seven strokes on the greens last week. There's no guarantee that just carries over here. I think he lost like five strokes with his irons. So Bryson's week was very weird, and you know he's got to get those irons going again. We've seen him just kind of make cuts and, and kind of skimmy along without doing much with his irons for a while. So there's no guarantee those just, those clubs just bounce back for him. I'd feel more confident in a ROM bounce back for sure. I think Spieth is a little bit overvalued to your point. Um, you know, if the bombs don't drop, I mean, is he really that much better of a play than Hideki? Uh, you know, they, they both have really good start to the seasons, obviously Spieth a few more top end plays, but if the putter cools off a little bit here, you know, um, easily could just end up with a, a made cut. He's never finished top 20 at the Byron Nelson either doesn't really like these local events. Doesn't just doesn't seem to gel with his mojo very well. So uh, I, I like Matsuyama and I like Berger a lot more uh, than Spieth. Uh, again, I mean, I'm, if I'm ranking those three in terms of who I want to play, go Berger, Matsuyama, Spieth. Berger, Matsuyama, Spieth. Okay. So it's going to be Rom for me. And I think it would be Berger, then Matsuyama. Even though well, Berger, even, let, even though let, Berger, Berger is Andercurse, though. That's the one thing. I'm just trying oh, to think because I, I think the move is I, we're going to get to Zalatoris in a second. I love Zalatoris. I'm not alone in that. But I think the move is to try to jam at least two of these guys into a lineup this week. Yeah. Three if you can get yeah, away. Yeah, I with agree. It. I, I think you'll be super unique if you do that. I, I think most people won't want to roster a ton of players under 7K. I, I was going to say, I was only ranking the guys in the 10K. I would still put Rom in front of, of Berger you know, again. Um, but as far as the guys in the 10 K, yeah, I, I like Berger the most come off a great week at the RBC heritage gained a bunch of strokes, ball striking. The dude just does not lose strokes off the tee ever. Like he gained, he's just an auto, like plus two strokes off the tee. Uh, great record at TPC Scottsdale as well. Again, I'm going to hammer that comparison down. I think it's a good one. So um, yeah, I, I definitely like Berger. I don't think he'll be crazily owned either, but um, I agree, you know, Rom, Rom out of the top six for me I, I, or top five. Now I would, uh, I would put his number one. So uh, the way I'm going to construct my lineups, Rom and Berger with an emphasis on Rom, because I like Zalatoris a little bit more than I like Berger because of the price point, and maybe add yeah. some Hideki in there. And then, you know, Jordan Spieth is going to go out and win with Hideki Matsuyama. That's going to be the unique lineup that you need, then all is said and done. Um, I mean, if you do like the Phoenix, then you got to love Hideki at this spot, right? <laughs> 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's part of the appeal too, right? I mean, I think this is a good spot for Hideki to come back onto the schedule. Uh, I have no idea what Hideki has been up to or anything. I don't know if anyone does, because it's not like he's on Instagram or anything much, but, um, or maybe he is, and I just don't follow him, but um, I, I think it's fine. You know, Hideki is a guy who's, who grinds a lot. I don't think he's just going to come back in and, and take like a, a year off like Danny Willett did or anything like that. So I'm not too, too afraid of the spot, to be honest. Um, I think he's got another major coming up. I think uh, I think you'll see a, a decent week from Hideki. I think it's a good setup for him. Like I said, he's played really well in Texas over the years as well. Even when he was going okay. through his slump a little bit, like the ball striking the week before the Masters at Valero, very good. I think he was second in Houston during the swing season. So, oh, that's right, yeah, last so, fall, yep. And of course, like you said, your Phoenix crossover, Hideki, uh, two-time winner in Phoenix, so pretty good on his part. Let's talk nine K guys. Zella Torres is at the top with Brooks Kepka nine nine and nine seven. You got Fitz Chef. Sammy Burns, Mark Leishman, Ryan Palmer, and Sergio Garcia at $9,000. This is a tricky range because I think you could completely justify playing three guys and starting your lineup with the 9K guys. There's some decent names in here for sure. I said I like Zalatoris the most, but looking at the early ownership, it doesn't seem like the bottom end is really garnering much. Like Leishman's coming in super low owned, Palm and I mean, Palmer's going to be super chalk, but then you have Sergio right below him at like one third the ownership early on, obviously. But I thought that was kind of strange to see Sergio, just no one wants a piece of him, but everyone wants to play Ryan Palmer. And it's usually the, it's not necessarily usually the opposite, but I really like Ryan Palmer. I like him at this course. He's already talked about how he's going to play here. But if you're giving me a one third discount on both Leishman and Sergio versus Ryan Palmer, probably end up taking it. Yeah, I'll, I'll probably get sucked into something like that as well. I mean, Sergio, obviously coming off two bad starts in a row, probably just lost some sentiment. But I mean, he's look, he's the guy who's won this event, I think twice now, definitely won back in 2016, I think it was. Um, but he, he likes Texas, like he, he's played really well in Texas over his career as well. I mean, um, just to your point. I'm taking Sergio over Ryan Palmer pretty much every time. If you're getting like half the ownership there, even if I'm not, if I'm getting equal ownership. So, I mean, it's not really even a decision for me. I'm, I won't be targeting Ryan Palmer, but I do understand why people want to play him. I mean, Burns at 93 looks well overpriced and you know, he did gain nine strokes putting at the Valspar. Is that going to, is that going to translate to success on Ben grass greens? Now I'm, I, I understand that argument. I mean, I think Sam Burns has a ton of upside, but I understand why people will be off him here. Um, I'd probably be more apt to just take another shot with Burns though, than Leishman. I mean, I think Leishman can be a little bit all over the place, but to your point, I mean, I'm probably going to be looking for if you're doing GPP leverage or want some leverage Sergio and Jason day there uh, under Ryan Palmer, that's probably where I'll lean rather than going up and and paying for Burns or Leishman. Now Burns and Leishman probably been playing better than those guys, but um, take a little bit of a discount. And and I think you can even may even get lower ownership. So I agree. Like people are going to be stacking people in this, this nine K range. And it's going to start with, you know, either Scheffler and Zalatoris, Fitzpatrick and Scheffler, maybe, maybe even like Kepka and Scheffler or something like that. But there's, there's going to be a ton of lineups with those like four combos this week. So very popular way to build. And I think uh, an easy way to differentiate is either go three guys and use one of the low owned plays that we threw out there as your third guy, or just bypass one of the really popular guys. I could see myself, depending on, we're going to talk about Brooks in a second, but Zalatoris at 9-7 might just be the only guy in the nines that I use. Just call it quits there because 
I think that, I mean, I just have a, you know, my, my gut says Will Zalatoris. The stats also point to Will Zalatoris. He had a one bad event. Now, all of a sudden, like, you know, he's not great. No, he's 22 to 1 to win this event. He's high priced. This tournament seems, at least the layout, would fit him perfectly. And it just seems like he's sort of a, once you get to, like, Scheffler and Fitzpatrick, I think that there's a line after Fitzpatrick and Scheffler, like, from Burns, and Burns might be a little bit overvalued coming off the win, but you have, like, Leishman, Palmer, Sergio, Day, C, Woo, Peters, like, all those guys, they're kind of in a bucket behind the rest of everyone else. Like, Zalatoris, Fitzpatrick, and Scheffler, I think, are kind of on an island here, and, you know, you can't obviously play everyone. I like Zalatoris the best, but... If you didn't want to play the low nines or high eights, I completely understand that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you you can you can start with uh, you know just taking one of those guys. To your point, if you're t- using Vizal Torres, you can go up and, and grab like a Rom to go with them. I think that'll give you way way better chance of of being like duplicated or just a, a more a, a lesser owned lineup than if you're doing two or three guys from the nine k range. So um, there is a big drop off, and it may not even be in terms of like upside or top end talent. Uh, uh, starting at Sam Burns, but just in terms of consistency, like we see Sam Burns, you know, he has a really big week and then he goes 30 or, or he'll drop in a couple missed cuts. Same with Sergio. So the consistency with guys like Fitzpatrick Scheffler, you just, it's just unmatched in, in as soon as you go below them. So it's a really big week where there's like obvious tiers almost of players here. And the first tier, in my opinion, where you get the biggest drop off is after Scheffler. So something to keep in mind, um, you can definitely, I feel like bypass a lot of these guys, but if you want to pick and choose out of this range too, like, and I'm talking like the, the sub Scheffler range, I mean, you're going to get some really low ownership on some guys who, who can pop. I mean, um, you know, we, we saw Burns pop Sergio can pop and go down to a guy like Peters as well. Who I like, so, um, interesting range, but not necessarily one you have to go crazy with either. What are you doing with Brooks? Because he's pretty highly yeah. priced, which I guess makes a ton of sense. Even in the betting market, he's bet a bit behind the tier of the elites. But at the same time, at 23 to 1 on DraftKings Sportsbook, you know, you're not getting a huge discount on Brooks at the same time. He loves playing in Texas. Obviously, he's won twice in Phoenix. His game would seemingly fit this course perfectly. Uh, slowish greens from what it looks like as well, and maybe that can help out his putting a little bit. But do you take the chance at 9,900 that he's going to be fully healthy? Because the way that I see the ownership breaking down now, it's not like you're getting an ownership discount. He's not super highly owned, but it's not like he's, you know, Lee Westwood at 1% at the same time. He's going to be like yeah. 11, 12%. So it'd be one thing if he was a 2% owned play, you play him in two of 20 lineups, be on your way. But now, I mean, to get overweight on the field, you're going to have to commit a certain allocation of your both DraftKings salary and DraftKings lineups to playing Brooks Kepkin. I just don't know where he's at. The Masters, yeah. it made more sense to me, although he ended up missing the cut. I don't know why I played him on DraftKings. The bet was one thing. Should not have played him on DraftKings. Would have won money, like a decent <laughs> amount of money, if I just didn't play Brooks. Just stupid. <laughs> stupid, Pat. Could have played Hideki for like the same price. Either way, uh, are you playing him? I, I mean, I haven't really made up my mind on Brooks Kepka, but right, I, I don't think so. Uh, I, I don't think that enough has changed. I mean, we've seen four weeks. He hasn't had a competitive you know, game in there. Is the knee like 100%? We haven't really seen that much. And to your point, like I want to play Scheffler from this range. So all of a, already I've, I've, I've committed myself to playing at least one player. And I probably would like, like to also, I like Zell Torres. So just like you, I mean, the, I, I look at those two players They're They're set up very well here. You know, Scheffler had a top 10 at TPC Scottsdale earlier in the year. I just, he's been very consistent with uh, across the board. There's no reason for me not to like him here. So, uh, you know, $600, $500 less than Brooks Kepka. 
I'm not just going to go off Scheffler to, and, and this speaks to your master's point, just because he, I might get a little bit of lower ownership on him here because there's really not like, you're not getting Brooks at 3%. So I, I think I'm probably going to be out on him. Uh, it, it's always a little bit scary to say that about Brooks Kepka, especially when he's under 10 K, but I just don't really feel the need here. Um, I think his upside is probably also capped. I mean, I, I don't think he's going to come in off a four week rest with a still with a knee that's probably still not hundred percent and just win. I just, I know he's capable, but I, I don't think that's going to happen. So I'm going to, I'm going to say, no, I'm, I'm pretty much just going to be out. I want to get exposure to Zaltoris and Scheffler a lot. And I do, like I said, I do like a couple plays in that, that high AK range where I'll pick up some, some really low ownership. I'd feel better about targeting guys there than I would about targeting a slightly lower owned Brooks Kepka this week. So in the eight K range, I'm just going to guess you're playing Jason day. I am. I will. I, I mean, at the very least, I bet Jason Day at 55 to one. It's basically the same odds we've been getting on him in the majors. Uh, as far as DraftKings play, you know, he's projecting five, 7% ownership ranges from, from a lot of the spots I've seen. You're not going to have to go crazy here, which is what I like. You know, if you, you're a three max guy, you put him in one. If you're making five or 10 lineups, you put him in one. You're over the, you're overweight the field, right? So I'm not purporting like, you know, this is Jason Day's week, you know, get him in all your lineups, but I like the fact that everyone's out on him now, you know, two missed cuts. I haven't really seen anything crazy bad from him from a ball striking perspective. His putter just hasn't popped. You know, Bryson was, was way worse ball striking than him last week. He just gained seven strokes on the green. It'll switch for Jason day. At one point he'll pop up again. Again, I'm not suggesting he wins. Although I know I've dropped a few hints on Twitter that like, there's, there's a trend there with Rory winning the, the, at the first spot he ever won at. And now Jason day is returning to the first event he's ever won, but more just for jokes. I think Jason Day is a good low and pick this week. Again, I like it when everyone's out on Jason Day rather than when everyone piles in on him on chalk. So uh, we just need that putter to pop. His ball striking has actually been fairly consistent. I think he's gained strokes off to in like eight starts or something now. So I am in as a low and play there. That's probably the guy I'll target the most. But I really do like Thomas Peters this week as well. Not sure why more people aren't on him. He's been competitive in pretty much every start he's had on the PGA this year. I mean, he played he in two. He played. He, he, he played. Yeah, he, he played in Putacana, and he played the Puerto Rico Open. Yeah, Quali- I mean, basically, what this event is just without Bryson and Rom. Oh, give me a break! He was the he was the <laughs> betting the guys he, under he, was the, he was the betting favorite in that field. He's like eighty to one this week. There you go, eighty to one. I mean, who would you rather bet, Thomas Peters or Ryan Palmer? Thomas Peters. Thomas Peters at eighty to one, or Ryan Palmer at forty to one. I'd rather bet Thomas Peters. I, I'm not killing you about Thomas Peters, but this field is significantly better. I, it, okay, it is. You're right. I mean, I'm obviously I'm I'm joking around a little bit, but it, it, it's a better field. But I mean, I, I think Peters is is a quality player. I mean, he he was close in those events. He was up there. He just he does Thomas Peter things. So we just have to avoid the quad bogey, and we'll be fine. I'm looking at the chalk from this range. It looks like C woo is going to be pretty. Dichaki, so is, I mean, yeah. I, on Fantasy National, Fantasy National members love Thomas Peters, so I, I'm in on Thomas Peters as well. Then you have Luke List and Aaron Wise, both like 12%, 15%. And then Charles at above 10%. Keith Mitchell at close to 15%. That leaves your options of day in single digits. Harris English below 5%. Lee Westwood below like 2%. And then Matt Kuchar <laughs> below 5%. I kind of like Cooch. Dude, I, I mean... If if List and Wise, yeah, and like Schwartzel are all going over ten percent at over eight k in price, 
Yeah, I'll just take whoever's lower owned. Thanks. I mean, I agree. I'll 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 play some. I might even play Westwood in this range or something and throw him in a lineup. I mean, I'll just take the ownership dips. This is. I mean, I, Luke List was what was he last week? Like seven k. If, and, if mean, that, no he had it, he, he had a good week, but I mean, he made a oh, lot. Absolutely, of, he, no, he, I get it. He, like, he made a lot of putts last week. I, I don't know if that's going to continue. None of these guys are exactly known for their consistency is my point. I mean, high end players, you know, great ball striker. Aaron wise is super talented. Lord knows I bet Aaron wise enough, but now he's 8,300 after being like 68 or seven K for like two months. No, thanks. I'm not going to eat there wise or Luke list chalk here. Um, give me some, give me a little bit of low and cooch. If he's, if he's really low and Keith Mitchell, I, 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 the same thing. I mean, we're back on bent grass here, so I can just cross Keith, Keith Mitchell off this week. Um, I think this low AK range, Kucher is the most interesting for me. Uh, maybe I'll dip my toes in the Schwartzel range. He really is playing well. Oh, come on. Been... Are you really going to pay for Charles? The guy who's been $6,200 all year. Now it's like, oh, he's 81. Let's play some Chuck Schwartzel. <laughs> I said maybe. Uh, but th- th- I think, honestly, I think the best the best way to approach his range is just like cross it off and start it. Started Taylor Gooch at 7,900. I really don't want to play anyone from this range, if I'm being honest. Schwartzel, you know, maybe he's going to suck me in because of how consistent he's been, but I don't even know if I want to play Kuchar, even if he's only like 5%. But I, I think Kuchar has the most interest from me from a from just like a, 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 a GPP perspective. Um, that would be the guy. Otherwise, everyone else here, I'm, I'm absolutely fine just, you know, putting an X through. Yeah, I mean, Schwartzel's irons have been reinvigorated. And for whatever reason, he couldn't make any putts last week at Quail Hollow. Couldn't make any putts at the Masters either. And that's a place where he historically had made a ton of putts. Uh, and still, he's made the cut in like four straight events. I get that he's playing a lot better. It's just very jarring to see him at this price point. And people are like, oh, sign me up at that price point. That's great. I just don't see a big difference between List and Keith Mitchell and Aaron Wise. And I'm just going to scroll down $1,000 and... I don't know, yeah. like Sam Ryder and Harry Higgs. And I love Wyndham Clark every single week. He makes the cut almost every single week. Like, why not just play those guys instead and try to jam in some of the better players in the nines? Uh, that's that, that's what we're talking about. Those, the, the drop-off this week is just so ridiculous. I mean, I think you go under Peters and it's like, you know, all these guys in the 8K range were basically 68, 7K last week. And now you look at the guys who are down there and, I mean, they don't even look that bad, right? I mean, Wyndham Clark's making cuts. Uh, KH Lee is making cuts. And and again, another guy who played really well, TPC Scottsdale. Piercy played well last week. I mean, there's, these are just like interchangeable players. And the guys who all played well last week got massive bumps for some reason. Uh, I You just usually don't see – we're used to seeing players get bumps. But like most of these guys I thought would have been like 77, 7,500, not 8,400 and 8,200. So – Something considered, uh, and and again, it's not like we're getting, it's not like these guys are all getting ignored. People are going back to them. So even me might go back to Schwartzel. So I, I, I agree. I, this is why I like the play of getting two guys like a Zalatoris and a Romstack, like you mentioned, and then just taking the discount on the 7K players because I don't think there's much difference this week between them and the low 8K range. Could you get behind Champ at all? Champ is a guy, I, I mean, I generally just, want to play when he's like 7k and no one's on him but he's he's played okay the last two times out he's such a good scorer like i would much rather play him than than pretty much all the guys above him i don't know i, I honestly don't have a, a definitive answer on champ but he he's he's kind of always in play like he should always be in play for you because of how prolific the DraftKings score he is he could finish t26 and be like fifth in DraftKings scoring so 
Uh, I wish he was like 7,800. Then I think I'd really get behind him, but he's, he's definitely, you know, he's cheaper than, than all those guys I just rallied on. So yeah, he's definitely going to be in play for me. I might talk myself into him by the end of the week for sure. Thin is in, they say, but what's good about a thin steak or a thin wallet or thinning hair? Bad news. The answer to these rhetorical questions is nothing. So why then is every brand of men's body wash so weak and watered down? Any argument for using this crap is pretty thin, if I must say so. Enter Thick, a new product from the Duke Cannon Supply Company. Thick earns its name by being three times thicker than common body washes. It's the high viscosity alternative to watching your money run down the shower drain. Thick comes in a big-ass container that you crack open like a beer. That sounds awesome. And it comes in four distinctly masculine scents that won't leave you smelling like a teenage boy. Thin is out. Thick is in. Duke Cannon Thick High Viscosity Body Wash is $9 per bottle, or you can get all four scents for $30. Bucks. Bourbon Oak Barrel, the latest scent inspired by our favorite place on Earth, the Buffalo Trace Distillery. Notes of amber combined with a woodsy oak barrel foundation for a rich scent that smells as good as bourbon tastes. Naval Diplomacy, a refreshing ocean scent with notes of fresh water and musk. Old Glory, a rich, sophisticated, and classically masculine scent that blends notes of tobacco, cedarwood, and amber. Then there's Productivity, an invigorating and uplifting combination of peppermint pine and eucalyptus scents. Had enough of a thin gruel that is your current body wash? Thick is made with a plant-based thickener for superior lather. So you're not going to need that gross loofah anymore. And as an added bonus, when you heft a 17.5-ounce bottle of Thick, you're getting into light arm workout. So visit DukeCannon.com and use promo code MAYO, M-A-Y-O, for 10% off your entire order. Free shipping with orders over $20. A range of Duke Cannon's men's premium products are also available at Target stores. Once again, DukeCannon.com, promo code MAYO for 10% off your entire order. Lucy Nicotine is a company founded by Caltech scientists and former smokers looking for a better and cleaner nicotine alternative. Finally, tobacco alternatives that don't suck. Researched and developed for three years and made for people, not patients. Lucy has created a nicotine gum with four milligrams of nicotine that comes in three flavors, wintergreen, cinnamon, and pomegranate. I've tried all three now, and I'm cutting back on smoking. I'm ready to jump in full steam to quitting smoking. It's about fucking time, so that's what I'm going to be doing, quitting smoking, and Lucy is going to help me try to do that. Lucy also has a lozenge with four milligrams of nicotine in cherry ice flavor, and each and every flavor actually tastes great. I can attest to that. They do taste delicious. And it's convenient and discreet. Products can be enjoyed anywhere, on flights, at work, on the go, even at the gym, if you want to. I've been trying to quit smoking for like five years now, and it really has not worked out. Everything that I've tried hasn't worked. Lucy is going to give me my best shot at doing that. I'm going to try to convince Paul to do exactly the same thing as well, because it's 2021. Get rid of your cigarettes, unplug your vape, chuck out the dip, Get some Lucy nicotine gum or lozenges. This is the real deal. A subscription to Lucy comes directly to your door each month. I just got my first month. Got to dig into it and consistently do it every single day because it's simple and you don't have to leave your house because Lucy has the delivery down. 
Pat Mayo Experience listeners, go to lucy.co and use promo code MAYO, that's M-A-Y-O, to get 20% off all products on your first order, including gum or lozenges. That's lucy, L-U-C-Y, dot C-O, and use promo code MAYO at checkout. Also, I have to give this disclaimer. Warning! This product contains nicotine derived from tobacco. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Lucy.co. And be sure to use that promo code mail. Let's all try to quit together if you're out there, okay? Did you notice, looking at the leaderboard at Quail Hollow last week, the similarities it shared with PGA National? Not off the top of my head, but now that I think about it, you know, you got Mitchell, Rory, who else was up there? Uh, Wise was up there. I think he was, what was he? Wise? He was in the mix, at least, at PGA National yeah, this was, time around. Rory has, won, Rory has won at PGA National. Mitchell has won at PGA National in the yep. past. I, I just, I mean, it's very anecdotal. Luke List is someone who has finished second and I, lost in a playoff. Well, it's funny you mention that, because I know before the week, I, I was looking a little bit at PGA National for that reason. So, like, I, I was I was kind of already thinking that way before the week, but I didn't really think about it at the end of the week. But, yeah, now that, now that we're talking about it, you know, with Mitchell being up there, definitely. Yeah, Wood, Woodland is, is another. Wood, Woodland is another one who's had success at PGA National yeah. in the past. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. So I, I, maybe it's just tough courses. I don't know. But. Maybe. Well, it's funny because when I do the breakdown of PGA National every year, the more I look at it, it's like, oh, it's a shorter course. But for whatever reason, that it does tend to benefit bombers over time, which I found really interesting. And even Justin Thomas, obviously, he's won at Quail Hollow. He's won at PGA National. He didn't have the greatest right. week last week, but he couldn't drain any putts. So, you know, classic Justin Thomas. Uh, with Classic Justin Thomas when he doesn't win events uh, and can't get the putter going. I, I just thought that was something to look at moving forward. Like, even Fleetwood had a pretty good week, and he's someone who's played PGA National really well over time, too. Uh, Keegan Bradley is another one who's been up there. I just want to put that in the back of my mind for next year looking at it, because I'd always think like, oh, Riviera, Quail Hollow, that makes the most sense. But even like someone who's won both those events. So you have Riviera and Quail Hollow. J.B. Holmes has won both those events. But Mm -hmm. he was in the final group at at the Honda Classic this year before he shot like 90 or whatever it was on Sunday. That's, uh, it's a good point. I I know when I was looking at it, there was a lot of correlation between those two. Uh, I, I think it's a good note too. Obviously, we think of Quail Hollow, you know, Valspar and, and Riviera, the two most comparables. And this is good comparisons, but maybe it's just that, again, the, all those courses are tr- like they're usually top 15 in terms of toughness. So I think it's just, you know, really looking maybe in terms of I, I know, obviously, you can go to like Fantasy National, you hit toughest course, tougher courses or whatever. But, you know, you get a group of, of courses like that and and guys just keep popping up. So I think those three courses you put together. Uh, if you're looking for like a tough course comparison, or if we get a new one pop up, maybe this course will play really tough. I don't, I don't think it will, but um, you know, th- that's just like a, a threesome there where you can really kind of look at. So I, I definitely noticed that comparison like before the week, but like I said, I didn't really think about it at the end of the week, but with Mitchell popping up again and Rory winning definitely uh, some kind of correlation there. What do you think the winning score is for this week? I, I'm going to guess like minus 24. Oh, that that low, hey. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna say about, about minus twenty. I think if the wind stays down, I agree. Like you'll see the birdies fly. I don't think it'll quite get there. I think yeah, there, there's a lot of tough par fours in there. I don't know how tough they're actually gonna play, but um, you know the wind isn't supposed to be crazy. It, the the greens 
there is a lot of rain there early in the week, which is the one thing that could turn this into like a, like you said, maybe it does get to minus 24, but I'm going to say minus 20. I think we see Scottsdale is a good comparison. That usually gets to 20, 16, 17, but we got the extra par five in play here. So I'll say minus 20. Well, there's the extra par five. And I do think that like there are two short, short par fours. And I think some of the longer hitters yep. might take a go at the other one. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I mean, I'm not going to pretend like I know this is going to play, but uh, you know, there, there's a creek running throughout the the course. I'm not sure how much it's going to come into play on many holes. Though. I don't think it's going to come into play on that many holes. There's not as much water here as at TPC Scottsdale either, which could really open things up for the players to maybe just bomb it. Like it looks like there's a lot of open landing spots. So I think it's going to be more of a driver heavy course. And if the players just all of a sudden can just start firing it, like someone's probably going to go low, um, you know, just uh, again, you, you're going to have like wedges into every green. So is it going to play? I think, I think a good comparison is actually, is it going to play more like Trinity forest where guys can just do whatever they want off the tee, you know, who, whoever heats up with the putter, like Kang did in 2019 is going to win, or is it going to play a little bit more? You know, you got to be more precise off the tee, like TPC Scottsdale and the scoring will be a little bit more muted, but still you'll see a lot of birdies. So somewhere in between there, I'll go with minus 20 though, but you know, if the conditions off the tee aren't, aren't too hard, then yeah, 24 will be in play. 7k range this week I, I won't tell you who i'm playing as of yet but i will tell you who the people are playing as of right now uh in terms of ownership gooch munoz a lot of people playing my guy the gim reaper i've already bet him and i'm most definitely playing him so i have him projected at right around 20 percent right now he might end up being the highest owned player on the slate i'm going to put him in my pga tour video this week as well i wrote him up in the column so uh he's going to get some exposure Maybe he can make a putt this week. That'd be nice. Come on, Gim. Figure it out on the greens, pal. Uh, Johnny Vegas coming in with a ton of ownership. Tom Hoagie. Tom Lewis. And uh, Vince Whaley. He's becoming a guy that people are playing all of a sudden. Oh, yeah. You make five cuts, Pat, and you stay stay around 7K. You're going to get some uh, some looks here. I mean, Whaley isn't... He's, he's, he's doing well. He's not doing anything great. So you can use him as a cut maker. I'd much rather go to just some guy who's, who's got more chance of popping like Wyndham Clark. We, we talked about, I'd probably even rather play Tom Lewis there. Uh, but Whaley, absolutely. You could think about, um, like I say, he's not doing anything crazily well. So I'm not sure what the chances of him just going nuts are, but um, yeah, some, some interesting ownership projections early in the week. Vegas is really popping. It looks like people are really on him. Uh, he, he is striking it well, but I, I don't know how, how crazily I want to eat the Johnny Vegas chalk. That dude can go ice cold on and around the greens in a hurry. So um, Snedeker getting a lot of looks as well. And yeah, people people love him some Doug Gim. Kind of interesting um, that maybe it's just like the Pat Mayo effect or something. I, I didn't think he was going to be like that popular, but I guess we got the Texas connection. Um, he's coming in off a missed cut as well, but you know, the, the ball striking is always there for Doug Gim. I, I like Doug Gim too. I just, I'm a little shocked that he's this popular, but I guess you look at this range, you know, people maybe just didn't want to pile on Brant Snedeker. I think it's just the players around him are just so unappealing. I mean, Scott Stallings is 7,500 this week. Ben Martin is 7,400. Why? I mean, so I think Gim is just a product of he's in this range and he's like the only player that people really feel comfortable playing. So, well, he's essentially transformed into the 2021 Luke list from three years ago where you you look at his (laughs) stats and you're like, oh my God, or even Ben Ann at this point, like that's how badly he's putting right now. And even looking at his splits on fantasy national, like 
he has, and this is so limited, but he actually gains strokes putting on bent grass. I think he's played like two tournaments. It actually, I, I looked at his top four putting performances in his career. Three of them have come on bent grass. Like if the guy just made a few putts, he'd be in it every single week because the ball striking numbers are absolutely off the charts. I ran the modeling this week. He's fifth. He's behind Bryson, Berger, Rom, and Brooks. That's why people are using him. Yeah. Uh, and look, like I said, I mean, if Doug Gim loses like five more strokes putting uh, for one more week, I mean, he's going to be, he's going to make my team forever. These are guys I love to target as well. So I just look at it um, I, again. I, he's really, really chalky. So I really want to get behind him. Maybe as a guy, I'll just throw some money down in the outright department too, just to, just so, you know, I don't have to play him in DFS, I guess, but yeah, I, I don't really have anything bad to say about him other than he's just, everyone's probably going to play him because of, of who he's paired with. I don't even really have a good pivot play off him though, either. I mean, I don't really want to play Brand Snedeker over him. I mean, Snedeker still just like popping with the putter. Who knows how long that that's going to continue. So maybe Camillo is the play. He's played a little bit better, but I mean, oh my God, like how long is that going to last? So Gim, Gim in this range really sticks out. And for good reasons, he just outlined the ball. He's, he's ball striking like a maniac. And when he does make putts, his birdie rate is insane. So um, I, I think it's probably chalk. You just want to eat Peter Uline up there is playing really good golf as well. One of my guys who I do collect and, and, and bet stupidly, but um, he is playing really good golf right now. Uh, I think the setup's good for him should be open. You know, he, he's a guy tendency just to really spray it off the tee, but I don't think with not much water in play here, I, this could be a really good setup for him. I think he was he's played well in Texas as well. I think he was T five of this event uh, in 2019. I think I'm remembering that correct, but um, he's played really well. I, I wouldn't have a problem pivoting to, to Peter Uline there, but if you want to play two guys in this range, you know, maybe you grab a low and play like a new line and then pair him with Gim. What do you do with someone like Antoine Rosner, who no one is playing coming over the week before the PGA championship? He's the number 70 ranked player in the world. He's won on yeah. the European tour so far this year. John Catlin's down in this range too. Both guys coming over from the Euro tour, very little interest in either of them for like your average PGA tour regulars. Cause it's really difficult to put a lot of stock into what Rosner has done so far this year. Like he won in Qatar, you know? Great against yeah. no one. He did beat Bryson in the match play. That was funny. He was the last man in the field after winning that event. He actually, he, I, did he advance out of his stage? No, he didn't. He was second in his group. He ended up coming like T18 that week. But that was nice to see they actually played well in Texas, in Austin. I don't know how his game is going to translate whatsoever, but I think talent-wise, when we're looking at it, for a guy who's going to be legit like 2% owned, that you could do a whole lot worse considering you just said Ben Martin is like $7,400. What are we doing? Yeah. Like, what, what did, did Raza make the pricing? <laughs> uh, it kind of feels like it, doesn't it? Yeah, this pricing is is ridiculous. Um, I can't even I can't sit here and say like, oh, just cross Rosner off. I typically when these zeros come over, I won't play them because the 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 switch in in terms of just setting and PGA setup it is a little bit jarring. I feel like for these guys at the at the start, they need uh, a little bit of time to adjust. But like to your point, Rosner has played in Texas before. He played the WGC match play. Um, I think Kalen or Catlin too, John Catlin. I mean is. 7,200. He's a lot cheaper. I mean, this dude's been like, I almost like Catlin a little bit better. He's, he's been really consistent. He's shown some spurts in his career. Like when he gets in this form where he'll go out and make cuts and, and be good. And, and I think he's, he's even in a worse range just in terms of like, you know, players available. So I, I think both these guys you could consider. I probably, if I was going to pick one to, to get behind, it would probably be the cheaper one in Catlin, but um, 
yeah, I, I can't really just say write them off this week because of how poor the ranges that they are in that they're in. But um, I'm not super interested in either. If I'm being honest, you know, Catlin is a guy I might consider down there, but I still think they're, you know, I'd rather play Peter Uline than Rosner. I'd rather eat a little bit of Doug Gimchuk. I might even play Camillo, but I, again, there's, there's still players out there. I, the PJ regs, I just feel like they have a bigger advantage because they, they see these kind of layouts all the time. So um, both guys playing well, but um, I typically, what I do with these zeros when they come over and play once is cross them off. I might end up using Rosner just because no one else will, and I enjoy his world ranking. Catlin has three Euro wins in the past year. Uh, it, yeah. it's, the problem is when he doesn't win, he's really bad. He is American, though, yeah. despite playing on the European tour. So I have no idea where he's from. Maybe I can figure that out at some point. I can use Google, I think. I can probably <laughs> figure out. I'll ask Siri. She'll know. Uh, Straka, Kazire, Gim, I'll be playing those three for sure. So those three are going to make my lineups. And I actually do think besides Clark, Lewis and Lewis and Clark, there we go. They can venture all the way down to the bottom of the cup and make some birdies. (laughs) But those two guys at $7,000 seem like a really good price to me. Yeah. I I, I do like both those guys too. Um, Again, we're just talking about upside, right? I I mean, obviously, you know, a couple of players coming in a little bit more consistent, you know, Johnny Vegas is, is playing consistent, but Wyndham Clark, we know, is a player. I mean, he gets hot on the greens. His ball striking ticks up a little bit. You know, he he will definitely throw in a top 10. Um, I don't even hate Patrick Rogers, who who really started to click with the irons a little bit. I mean, Patrick Rogers shot 70 or better in three of four rounds last week. So I, I think he's another player you could throw in. I would put Clark and Lewis be, before him. But I think all three of those players I, I'm a little bit interested in for, for GPP purposes again, you're looking at construction, right? You're, you're trying to bypass some of that, that overpriced chalk and not the, the high seven K low eight K range. You're going to have to pile on a couple of these guys in this range. So I think the upside there is, is decent. I think KH Lee is, is probably my favorite play. Just if we're dipping down under seven K quickly, all the dude, it's, he's very much dead game. Like, I mean, if the dude just no, no, no. Okay, let, let's not let's not get into that territory right now. So you have a wildly inconsistent KH Lee who never he. I mean, the only thing they really have in common is that they both lose a ton of strokes putting all the time. Exactly. But w- w- when you look at Gim's approaches, he's gained in ten consecutive events. He's gained seven out of ten off the tee. Like ball striking wise, he's one of the best players in this field. KH Lee, not. Okay, well, KH Lee will bring it though. I mean, he's 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 pretty consistent off the tee. He's he's okay. He doesn't gain as many strokes uh, every week in week out as Doug Gim, but he can get fire with his irons as well. He can throw in like a plus five. He's just been very consistent in everything but putting and still making cuts. So, to your point, is he like the supreme ball striker that K, that uh, Doug Gim is? No, but I think he's more prone to having a, like a putting spike week because because I mean, when was the last time Doug Gim even? gain strokes putting i don't know but i I, similar kind of play i guess that we're just waiting here for for cage lee to 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 gain strokes on the greens and i'm i'm again i i'm probably just over buying into this tpc scottsdale correlation but that is where cage lee popped last t2 there early in the year so uh again 6900 i'm in on it i I like it uh i I think the putting eventually turns around from he's got to be getting some confidence from just making the weekends and putting like crap so uh, that that's my theory there anyways the last time doug gim gained strokes putting was back on the west coast swing he didn't lose at pebble he gained at riviera and he gained 
at Tory Pines on the green. So Poa, not so bad. Basically, since Poa. they've gone to Bermuda, to Bermuda grass, he's been awful on the greens. And he's really only missed two cuts over that time, too. Uh, you don't see any of the high-end finishes because the guy is legit losing like seven and a half strokes putting some weeks. But he's still making all the cuts. He's still coming inside like the top 50 that have one of those weeks where you just gain two strokes putting. All of a sudden, you're looking pretty good. He'll be looking really good in DraftKings, too, if he does that, because he'll make a ton of birdies. So, like I said, definitely hate the fact that Doug Gam is going to be highly owned, but I can't I can't sit here and say he probably shouldn't you know get a piece of him in some way because it's seventy five hundred for the 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 DraftKings points that he'll produce for you if he even just like loses point five strokes putting or something will be will be well worth it. Six K range we have. You mentioned KH Lee's $6,900, but you also have like Roger Sloan who rates out really well. Hank Lebiota's playing a lot better right now. He's also $6,900. I had a star next to Bryce Garnett. I'm going to unstar that. But Sam Ryder is right there. We liked him not too long ago because at his peak, he is an excellent ball striker who can't putt. Although over the past three events, he's just not been doing anything of worth whatsoever. But you know, he's one of those guys where you see these like top 10 performances from him. Then the next week, he's yep. going to shoot like 78 and come dead last in the field. So I probably won't get there with Sam Ryder. But I do think there's a cluster of guys at the very high sixes that are not, they're either equal or better than guys who are $700 more. Yeah, um, absolutely. That's what this like whole event feels like, right? I mean, again, you know, we're taking, it feels like we're taking another step down under 7K, but there are a few names here. I mean, I, I'm semi-interested in Ryder this week. I'm not going to lie. I mean, you hate to try, it's like catching a falling knife, you know, with, with, with stocks, whatever you want to say, but like, is the bottom really in here? But dude, like when, when Ryder gets it going, I mean, his ball striking is so good. He's, he's very much like a far less inconsistent Doug Gim. I mean, um, I think three cuts in a row now missed. He's, he's coming to a weaker field event. He could pop here again. I don't really have anything to suggest that this is going to be it, but you know, 6,900, you look at the other players in this range. I like Sloan too, but I think Ryder's upside is a little bit better. So if you want to take on like the, the high, high end variants, I think Ryder is, is probably the play here. Sloan far more likely to just make the cut for you. He's playing well though. I mean, I don't, I don't dislike Roger Sloan in this range or anything. Uh, I'd certainly rather play him than anyone at 6,800. Um, Really no one appealing there. Oh, come on. I know uh, and, and her band Lahiri's there. Oh, well, sorry. <laughs> it's a, out of all the Raza guys who got priced up, Lahiri's the one who didn't. Yeah, Lahiri, I mean, super, super opportunity for, for Raza this week. I assume he's just going to have 100% Anurban. Um No, I'm not playing Anurban Lahiri. I'm looking like Nasty Nate is down there. Lebiota is actually really good on these short par fours. That's kind of his bread and butter. Uh, in the field over the past 36 rounds, Lebiota is ninth in par fours that measure under 350 yards. And, you know, he was a disaster with the putter last week after being really good at Valspar. But the ball striking all of a sudden was there. I, I really don't know what to do with him. He's always someone, maybe it's his name. I like the name Hank Lebiota. Just this, like, <laughs> little short lefty who can actually kind of get it out there at the same time. Pretty good off the tee. That, ah, uh, it's really hard to parse a lot of these guys down here because really what's the difference between 6,900 and the names next to them and 
400 in the names next to them. Like, I'm just scanning down the list here. Like, I'm going to bet J.B. Holmes at 350 to 1. I am not going to make the mistake of playing him. He was another one. Was awful on Thursday last week. Played really well. Really well is probably a stretch. I think he was 72 or 71 on Friday. But he's someone who's won in Texas before. Plays these short part fours really, really well. We know that he has adequate distance. You just never know what J.B. Holmes is going to show up. Uh, So you probably don't want him in your DraftKings lineup. But as an outright bet at that price point, I don't hate that that all that much and then i don't know scrolling down the list bo hog is kind of popping cameron percy aussies in texas is that a narrative we're going back to uh maybe um i think i'd probably rather play uh bronson borgoon and just play the texan in texas but uh bronson borgoon at least showed uh, shown a couple made cuts over the last uh few few events t13 at the valspar Cameron percy seems like he's cooled off like he did have that really really crazy run where he's just making cuts actually getting himself in contention but and dudes like pushing 50 i tend to stay away from the guys who are almost on the senior tour uh even phil so i think now that percy's run is over I, i'd rather try and, and look for a guy like borgoon uh i, I mean my guy sean o'hara gained like a, a stroke on approaches last week. He's played well in Texas too. I, I think you could at least think about going to him. What about Glicklick? Michael Glicklick at, uh, at, at 6,500. He's popped a little bit too. Canadian. Yeah. He, yeah, he, he shows up every now and again, um, but it's not an alternate event. So that's going to be tough for him. <laughs> Fair enough. That's true. Uh, it's been mostly at alternate events. I mean, I think once you get down here, like the, the, the amateurs, like Cole Hammer start to start to kind of get, a lot more interesting because this field's under 68k is like well just under 69k I guess. how old is cole hammer i have no idea i feel like he played in like the u.s open five years ago maybe he was like 14 at the time he definitely played in an event like a year or two ago i mean um but i have actually no idea i don't even know if he's still in university i know he's been like a prolific i think he's 22 and just right now it's like coming back to me but i Probably dead wrong in that. Let's see. We're giving out great info here, Pat. I know. Cole Hammer leads United States to 7-5 win in the Walker Cup. So, or boot. Is that, is that what I'm looking at here? That happened over the weekend. So, that's good, oh. I guess. Oh, right. Yeah, the Walker Cup. That's right. Yeah. But, I mean, you can be any age in playing that. They have that, like, Stuart, the guy who plays in the Masters every year, the, the, real, the real tall guy with the long putter. I think he's, like, 50, and he plays in it. <laughs> I'm trying to find I'm trying to find Cole Hammer's age and I just He's 20 years old. He's 20. He's 20 okay. Years old. Oh no, that's not true. He's 20 years old in 2019. He's 22. I was right. He was he's 22. How how old is So how much is Cole Hammer? He's 65. He's the same price as Kadira coming off a good week. Yeah, Satashi. Should we play what Sung Kang who plays really well in Texas for whatever reason? I mean Probably not, but you're you're right. Like he's the defending champ. He's he does play well. He 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 tends to just pop. I mean, he's that's been... how bad this range is. Like I think you can actually look at guys like that when you're making lineups. I mean, again, just it, it's very much similar story to Sam Ryder. You just want guys who you know can can pop at the PGA level. And I mean, you look down here. There's just not <laughs> there's like no and Bull Hosler. I guess you could make the same case for. He had a good week uh, at the Valspar two weeks ago, or at least a good finish, but it was pretty terrible last week. I don't really know if I want to go there, but another Texas guy, right? So that's the kind, that's the kind of thing you're looking at here. I mean, I, I think it, it's, it's almost that week where I'd almost rather just play, I don't want to know if the narratives or like the hometown, like the home state, like 
correlations with these guys than, than I would their recent form because all these guys are terrible. So you might as well just play the guys who tend to have the, the biggest record of popping in Texas. That's kind of how, if you're going to dip in this range, I'd rather just play that narrative than, than look at anything else. Cause all these guys from a stat perspective have been pretty terrible. Um, you know, and I'm talking again, like 6,500 range. Yeah. Like if you want to play bombers, Grayson Murray and Joseph Bramlett are both at $6,400. They both rate up pretty well when it comes to driving distance. Birdies are better made. Even Grayson and his proximity ranges are just great. But then you'll look up and he's plus eight. And it's like, oh, what happened yeah. here? Uh, oh, he eight putted a hole. Fantastic news. I'll just bet him as first round leader. We'll be on our way. The guy I might actually play has made four or five cuts. And I didn't realize that he was on the PGA Tour anymore. But now I do is BVP, Bo Van Pelt, Jeff. I'm playing him. I thought you were going to go to like JJ Spawn or something. No. You Spawn go- Ranch, you're out. Oh, wow. Yeah. Four made cuts in a row. Bo Van Pelt's super talented, dude. Um, he's he's, 40, like, he's, he's 45. Dude. He's also 45 years yeah. old. I was going to say he's also pushing 50. He's actually younger than I thought he was. So, um, this is the type of event. I mean, if you were dipping down in this range, this is what you're dealing with, right? So I don't even hate it. I think I'd rather play Bovan Pelt and Sun Kang this week. So again, I, I typically don't mind getting behind these guys. Uh, I was looking a little bit at Jimmy Walker as well in this range. Another guy who plays well in Texas. He's made four or five cuts, similar kind of story, been putting better, just awful off the tee, but I don't know if off the tee is going to affect him as much this week. So I think Walker and Bovan Pelt down there, you could think about might lean Walker just because he's an actual PGA player. And I just can't even believe Bo Van Pelt is still on the PGA, but um, just looking through, scrolling through these names. So, so here, here's, here's the, who I have highlighted for Kevin Tway. Who? Kevin Tway. No, Kevin Tway. I'll, I'll take a hard pass on Kevin Tway. It's not, it's not Tway Day anymore. Made two or three cuts. He was 72 last week. Bo Van Pelt, $6,400. Cameron Percy, $6,600. And Andrew Putnam, $6,700. Just oh. maybe, maybe he can putt his way into the cut. Should have thrown like you should have thrown a another old guy in there. Could have got like the oh you should have thrown KJ Choi in there. Could have got like the you know touch of gray discount or something. I mean I haven't been out of my house in eleven days because I'm I'm still stuck down here with I have three days left. But man I I, I got the touch of gray going on right now. I haven't been able to cut my hair and cut all the gray out of it. You're gonna see me like in two weeks and we look like Eric Bischoff. I'll go from jet black to pure gray all of a sudden. Well, that's why I just shave my head all the time now, Pat. Yeah, I, mean, I have no. Yeah, uh, I think that God shaves your head, Jeff. <laughs> it's true. Um, I actually don't hate Kevin Tway and 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 Jimmy Walker down here. Um, I think I'd probably prefer Walker because he can get hot without putter. But uh, it is a it is a dicey range if you were diving down here. You were playing the the you're rolling the dice here of of any of these guys. This is. Um, this field is so weird. There's just, there's such big drop-offs at every range. And um, yeah, I, I play that Texas narrative. I'm, I'm just going to keep throwing that out there. I, I think a guy like, like Walker could pop here. Tway, I think Tway's from Oklahoma or something, but anyways, um, same deal. The other, yeah, I think that if you can just end your teams like last man in Wyndham Clark, I think you're doing pretty good. I think most people are going to be trying to stay above 7K this week, which that, maybe yeah, gives yeah, you... Yeah, like, but that's going to be super tough because that means you basically can only use one above 10K guy, and that probably doesn't mean you can use, like, Bryson and Zalatoris. That means you use, like, Berger, Scheffler, yeah. some, Charles, Gooch, Clark, and someone else. Like, that's not well, great. And, 
And to that point, that's how I think most rosters are going to be looking. So again, you want like, you want really low ownership. And again, I like these big field events because we get like 5% or lower made cuts, like six to six percentages, which is fun. And again, if I don't, I'd like, I'm not suggesting you have to not, you shouldn't play guys under seven K because if everybody's just going to have trouble getting six to sixes through, why don't, why not really embrace the variance? I'm just saying, probably want to make some kind of like legitimate cutoff here. So um, there's, there's definitely players in the six K range. I think we've, we've touched them, but I don't mind th- that kind of construction this week where you are dipping down there because I think a lot. And I, I mean, I think majority of lineups are going to be started with like one guy in the 10 K one guy in the nine K and then let's just try and stay above seven K. This is going to be a really, really ridiculously low ownership on, on some of these guys under seven K. I just use fantasy national to sort by past 24 rounds Easy courses par 72. Uh, I sorted by strokes gain total. It gives me Rom Hideki, Doc Redman, who's 7,300 bucks. Sergio knocks so much money on Doc Redman. Sergio (laughs) knocks Brooks, Vegas, Palmer, the Gooch, Brian Stewart. Then your boy Bronson Burgoon is up there. The Goonies. Hey, you guys. (laughs) I I mean, I I legitimately don't mind Bronson Burgoon. I mean, another Texas guy. Why is everybody from Texas under 7K this week? Um, but, I mean, just like, he's, he's made quite a few cuts. I mean, seven of his last nine, it looks like. So, played well at the Valspar. That is, uh, that is legitimately the guy to be targeting under 60, 68. Um, not with any, like, major conviction, but I think he's going to be a good cut maker. And um, it's so hard to predict what, what these guys under 7K are going to do. Go to your boy Campos. Is this the Puerto Rico Open? Can we play Campos? No, well, yeah, we're not on an island. There's no, there's no ocean around, is there? No, I'm not playing Campos. All right. Uh, European tour starts at 2 a.m. Eastern time on Wednesday morning. The the British Betfair Masters. Uh, I made some bets for that. I basically just tailed Tom and Sky. The European tour picks and bet show is already up on Mayo Media Network. So go subscribe to Mayo Media Network so you get your notifications. But that show is out already. If you want to go check it out, smash the like on that one as well. Here's what I got. You ready for this? Yeah, hit it to me, dude. I got Eddie Pepperell, 40 to 1. Guido with the each way, 70 to 1. Eduardo Molinari, 150 to 1. <laughs> Xander Lombard, 150 to 1. And then someone named Maverick Antcliffe, 100 to 1 with an each way. I don't have a lot of stakes on these. Maverick Antcliffe. Sounds like someone out of a Jane Austen novel or something. <laughs> like, well, that sounds like the perfect candidate to win the, the British Masters. That's true. Uh, so, and, um, and then I played a double. So I played a 50 cent double between both. So I have Rom, Gim, Kazire, Zalatoris Clark and JB Holmes with Rasmus Hogard, Pepperell, Guido, Antcliffe, Lombard, and Eddie Molinari. And each way double 50 cents, it costs 36 bucks. I think uh, if JB Holmes and Eduardo Molinari win, I think I win like 40K or something, not 50 cents. So let's go. Dude, if, if Eduardo Molinari pays off for you, you deserve it. So um, I'm looking at this field. I, I looked at it early in the week. I'm just taking another look. I mean, I think Schwab is, is kind of interesting there at 2,800. I mean, I, I would be fine going on that. He's like double Keimer. Keimer is 18 to one. Good Lord. Even I won't bet that. Um, Schwab didn't get into the PGA championship, which I thought was really strange. Yeah, I know. He's like 101st in the world. That's uh, 
No, a, a little bit weird, especially with um, a couple other dudes who did get in, <laughs> Ricky Fowler. Um, I'm just looking at this field. Yeah, I, I think Schwab is kind of interesting. I think that's a fair price for him. Um, Connor Sim Sim is another dude who I've, I've kind of had my eye on. I obviously haven't bet this event, and I may throw down a couple of event, uh, bets. I might actually bet Schwab now that I'm looking at this again. But uh, I think the best advice I can give people, Pat, is probably tune into Skyler's show. Um, who's he with? Skyler and Tom Jacobs. Tom so Jacobs. Sorry, I, sorry, I, sorry. I, I, I had to get a real British person on the European tour. Show. Right. That's right. Just yes. the voice adds so much to it. You have to. That's how you. That's how you get the SEO right and and stuff like that. So yeah, that's probably my best advice. Those guys grind. Obviously. Uh, I know they're coming off a, a couple hot weeks, which is awesome. But I, I, you know, looking at this, Schwab is probably going to make have some kind of exposure to uh, to me this week. And yeah, I don't mind Connor Syme there at fifty five hundred or, or six six uh, sixty to one as well. Those would be the two two guys. Actually, Guido at six at eighty if you can get him at eighty. So there you go. There's my threesome right there. Boom. It's the play the good plays lineup time, Jeff. This is a new segment that I've introduced onto the oh. show. Uh, so I've done it for two weeks now, and it's cash both weeks. So don't worry about ownership. Don't worry about anything no. like that. We're going to construct a lineup of six players that are just the good plays. How about that? Yep. Let's go. Yeah. I like this. This we're, is. I need more of this in my life. This is like training for me. This is good. I know. It's tough for me to wrap my mind around because I, I so want to play the bad plays all the time. So I've just playing the good plays. So from the very top... If we're constructing a lineup and thinking about this, who is the good play from the top? Is it Spieth? Okay, are we talking like, do you want above 10K? I, I'm, we're, we're filling out a lineup here. Like, I have Gim penciled in at 7,500 bucks okay. already. So do we go okay. like Spieth or Burger, maybe? I would probably be more apt to go either Zalator's Burger or Scheffler Burger. Let's go Burger, Scheffler, because that saves us some money. So Burger, Scheffler, Gim. That is that leads us with seventy six hundred dollars per player left. So who else do we want from this like low sevens, mid sevens? Do you think that's a good play, Vegas? Okay, so a good play. Oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> this is so hard for me. Um, okay, so we got Gim in there. I'm see. I'm I'm like scared to throw names. Um, I would be with considering what we have left, we could definitely go back to Johnny Vegas, I guess. And, and just is Wyndham Clark like a good play? Well, looking at ownership, uh, many people do not think that he is a good play. I personally think he's a great play, but that's me. And you know, you know how wrong I am all the time. So that's never good news. Vegas and Hoagie and Tom Lewis and Vince Whaley are the ones garnering all the ownership from the low sevens. I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say Cage Lee is is the good play at six hundred. I really am. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna veto your KH Lee play. Uh, okay. As okay. a part as a part, not that he is a bad play, but I like we're thinking about but just like just randomly like and this field is a bit tougher to do this in like who are the obvious good plays. I don't think that he's an obvious good play. Now if Dominion scoring if Dominion wasn't doing the scoring for this tournament scott piercy would win by a landslide but obviously you know, everyone's out to get him he actually wins but you know that's just on the lowdown when it comes to scott piercy do you want, let's put in tom lewis it seems like tom lewis is a good play okay i'm fine with tom lewis i like tom lewis um so seven so that leaves us eight thousand dollars for two more players so we can play like gooch if we wanted to people seem to agree that he's a good play this week but then that would leave yeah. us with like list or schwartzel 
I mean, I guess I think Gooch Schwartzel, if we're just going with like who people who sentiment has and who, who are being perceived as the good plays, that's definitely one route we could take. Um, or is there or any we, we could put Vegas we could put Vegas in as well and get up to see Wu. That's I was about to suggest trying to get up to Ryan Palmer, but see Wu is is like in the in the group of good plays in there, right? With Ryan Palmer. So if we went to Ryan Palmer, we'd probably have to go down to like sixty eight hundred or something, I assume. Hey. Yeah, and then it's real dicey when you get down to sixty eight hundred dollars in terms yeah, of Yeah, I don't know if there's actually good plays down there. So that's probably not gonna be on the table. I kinda like the Vegas Siwu play. I mean, we're, we're, we we're... could we could drop from Burger to Zalatoris, and that could I think accomplish the same thing. Then you start your team Scheffler, Zalatoris, See, Palmer. That's what I th- See, I, I think that's what a lot of people are going to do. And I think that's that's like the good – that would give us a good roster. I think, you know, we we wouldn't be doing anything silly. We'd be playing the good plays. Palmer, very consistent. Um, Zell, Taurus, Berger, I'm, I'd be fine with that. Yeah, so the, so the lineup, it leaves $100 on the table too. Zalatoris, Scheffler, Palmer, all in the 9Ks. Gim, Lewis, and Vegas at 75, 7,000, 7,200. That is the play of the good plays lineup, and that's in the $15 contest right now. Don't so, copy it. Okay. <laughs> Everyone, <laughs> are we sold on Lewis? That's the only guy. Like, is there is there anyone else there you, you would rather play? I mean, I, 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 I would rather play Wyndham Clark, but <laughs> I think that people, by and large, are identifying Tom. Like, it's not the point of who I think is the better play. It's who exactly. is, is uh, kind of the, who is the consensus kind of best plays. Is is Whaley a more consensus best play, or is like is Tom Lewis actually? I, I have Lewis as generating higher ownership right now. I don't know how that's going to end up turning out, but I, I think just All based right. on pedigree alone, you'd have to go with Tom Lewis, wouldn't you? Let's go with Lewis. I, I I don't I'm not I don't even know why I'm trying to talk us out of Lewis. I like Tom Lewis, so let's go. There we are. Those are the good plays. That's the good play lineup of the week. You can find my cheat sheet. really hard. Yeah, I know. It was much harder this week than it was like I it was like two weeks ago at the Heritage. It was like, oh, Webb Simpson, Corey Connors. Like it was really yeah. easy to find yeah. just down the line, like who all the guys were. Um, tell everyone what they can expect from you this week over at DK Live. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, got the PJ cheat sheet up for the week. Uh, obviously, you can check out my Twitter at the Fantasy Grind, tweeting out all the good stuff. I did start a newsletter. I've only written one article. Eventually, one day, I will write more articles for it. But you can check that out on my link as well. Uh, but yeah, check out the DK Nation playbook. Uh, go there. All the golf stuff is up there. Me, at Reed Fowler, is up there as well. So basically, just give me a follow at the Twilight Fantasy Grind. I'd appreciate it. And uh, I'll, I'll put out golf content all week. Most of it's terrible, but uh, I definitely appreciate your reading. That'll do it for me. I'm Pat Mayo. You can follow me at the PME. Sub to my newsletter. Do it. It's completely free. I'll probably put out two this week. Then I'll have a bunch for the PGA Championship coming up as well. Some promos, some giveaways. Uh, If you're interested in something like, I don't know, free money, probably something you want to get into. The Listener's League link is down there as well. Smash the like for the episode and join Fantasy National. FantasyNational.com slash Mayo to get yourself 20% off. Thank y'all for watching. I'll see you next time. Mayo Experience! What up, everyone? Pat Mayo here with some breaking news. The PGA Championship DraftKings salaries have been released. 
It's early, and maybe we'll see some great value, because I haven't looked at them yet. So I'm going to scroll through everything that's going on to try to find where the initial values might even try to make or play the good plays lineup uh, this early in a week, more than a week out from the actual tournament starting, and see how that jives with everything that's going to happen over the course of the next week, because I got a ton of content coming at you. Smash the like button, by the way, and in the comment section, give me your early lean for the PGA Championship at Kiowa Island starting next Thursday. We'll have a giant Listener's League link as well. I don't actually have the link for it as of yet, but as soon as I do, I will dump it into the comment section of this video and this podcast, so check back to make sure you're one of the first people to get in said contest, because for the Masters, it filled with about three days to go. So you're going to want to reserve your three spots early, $15 to play, three max entry, no rake, making it better than the Millionaire Maker to invest your money in, because it actually has fat, flat payouts, and there's not 500,000 people in it, so you might actually be able to win this particular event. The Pat Mayo Experience Open, the best tournament on DraftKings every single year. So Saturday, I think I will have the DraftKings breakdown show with Ben Raza, the research show on Sunday. Monday, bets with Feinberg. Tuesday, Rick and I will go player by player and do two minutes on each player in case you're wondering about them. Then we'll have more updated ownership and really be able to hammer down on what we're thinking about that. Then the live chat will return on Wednesday. So there's a ton of content coming out for the PGA Championship. And if you could retweet, you could share, do whatever, leave the ratings and reviews, always hit the likes, tell some friends about it who might even give a shit about golf, but, you know, we'll log into things and hit like buttons. That will go a long way to help us continue our giant coverage of every golf major and just golf every single week. So without further ado, because I know I've been babbling on like an idiot, and use fantasynational.com slash mayo to get 20% off over there. You do it uh, on Wednesday or Thursday, you'll get the entire week, you get 20% off, and boom, you'll be able to build your lineups. As you can watch me do the walkthrough on the research show, you'll see how I build mine. You'll be like, that's stupid. I'm going to build it a different way and actually make it work for once. But you can do that when you remember at fantasynational.com slash mayo. So I'm looking at it right now. Rory is the most expensive player. So he and Justin Thomas are the only two above 11,000. DJ, Rom, Bryson, Spieth, Colin, no, not even Morikawa. Morikawa is the defending champ, is 9-8. So DJ is listed as out right now. So is, so is Webb Simpson on the DraftKings site because they withdrew from their previous tournaments. They're both expected to play. It's one thing with Dustin Johnson with him withdrawing from the Byron Nelson because of this knee injury. It doesn't seem like it's too concerning, despite there being murmurings about him missing the PGA Championship. It's in his home state. He's going to play. Dude was doing backflips off a yacht this weekend. So I think he's probably going to be fine. Unless he hurt himself doing the backflips. That would be stupid. Uh, Either way, I like Dustin for this event, and we'll see what happens to his odds. It's actually the best thing to happen. Actually, it was the combination of both Rory winning and Dustin pulling out because of injury. So he was at 10 to 1. He fell to 12 to 1. He might be able to snag a 16 to 1 somewhere if people are truly out on Dustin Johnson. I'll talk myself out of him by the time that everything comes along. But everyone is fairly priced at the top. You don't see any real outliers. Bryson at 10-2 is kind of enticing, considering he's rarely that low. In the nines, you got Morikawa, Xander, Brooks, Hideki, Victor Hovland, Webb, Reed, and Cantlay. Cantlay has missed like four cuts in a row. So obviously he's going to win the moment that I jump off and be like, oh, he's great value. I'll continue betting him. Oh, he missed the cut. Great. Thank- thanks, Pat. Thanks for showing up. But, well, I mean, that's... No one seems out of the ordinary there. I guess if Brooks shows up 
at the Byron Nelson. And then all of a sudden he's fine and he's like top three or he wins or he's top five or just looks really good. Gains, you know, 12 strokes tee to green, loses five putting, like no big deal there. He could turn out to be a tremendous value at this venue. Looking back at the leaderboard last time, and again, I'll have way more information on this once I actually do the full amount of research. I just want to react to these in real time right now, is that it's very Euro-centric top of the leaderboard. You had Blake Adams, Keegan Bradley, and Steve Stricker as the only three Americans who finished inside the top 10 in 2012 with the last time that this was held at Kiowa Island, the PGA Championship. So that doesn't really tell me much uh, in terms of those three players in particular, not necessarily all the similar types of players. Keegan and Stricker couldn't have less in common. They both finished inside the top 10. And then it's like Poulter and obviously Rory won David Lynn is up there it's just like what is going on uh so maybe there's something about this it is on the coast so maybe there is a coastal element it's a really long course which was I I was kind of surprised to see someone like Poulter up there and Stricker up there it's going to play over 7,800 yards and if the wind does pick up like it is going to be extremely difficult but maybe I guess I mean Rory just played unconscious he lapped the field in 2012 but Maybe it's to do with where it is so long that scrambling is going to be so important uh, unless you are just immaculately striking the ball so, so well or scoring on the par threes or something like that. I saw Robert Garrigus basically gained more strokes than everyone on the field um, on in terms of the par fives that year. I was like, why is Robert Garrigus popping up here? And I had to go investigate, and that's what it ended up showing me. So par five scoring has got to be key, but if you can scramble, that is going to go a long way. So someone like Spieth is super live at a tournament like this. I, I wouldn't just say, oh, this is a long course. Obviously, driving distance is going to be the most important thing. I don't know if that's necessarily the case. I do want to run some more numbers, do some more research into everything. But that's not my initial lean looking at how this leaderboard played itself out the last time that we saw it here. It is a Pete Dye course, so it's going to fuck with people's minds anyway. Uh, any good values going down the list? Cam Smith is 8900 bucks. That's more than Zalatoris. Berger is a really good value here. So if he has a great Byron Nelson, he's going to be off the charts owned here. $8,700. Finau's 86. Scheffler, Fitzpatrick, Sungjae, Tommy Fleetwood, and Justin Rose both seem overvalued at 82 and 81. Hatton, uh, who's a better player than both those guys, is only $8,000. So is Louie. Then you have this tier of like Scott, Answer, Lowry. Lowry could be really interesting at a course like this, I think. Uh, He's played some of the longer courses really well, some of the harder courses really well, and he's a really good scrambler, so I wouldn't overlook Shane Lowry. I doubt that he's going to have much buzz behind his name, but he's someone whose overall game can kind of tackle a course that gets a little bit trickier. Casey Day, I mean, Casey's going to be uber chalk again, 7,700 bucks. Yep, sign everyone up. Corey Connors actually got a boost here. He's $7,600 for the first time in ages. Oh, Higo. Uh, I mean, I don't know if people are going to use Higo. $7,400? He's 80 to 1 in the betting market? I love myself some Garrick Higo, but that seems pretty extreme for a guy uh, who has not quite competed at this level and shown any sort of success. It's one thing to go dummy people on the fucking Canary Islands. It's different when you suit it up at a major championship and you're priced more than, let's see here, than Max Homa or Matthew Wolf or Charlie Hoffman. I really like Matt Wallace. I bet Matt Wallace, by the way, 110 to 1 to win the PGA Championship along with the top five each way. It was a half bet, so I want to see if I can get the eight placings later on during the week. I think that he is a I don't know if he's going to be able to hold up. Just looking at his results, T to Green, he's been really good 
over the course uh, of the past three months or so. And I know he can scramble. I've seen him play really well at a long, hard course at a PGA championship at Bethpage Black, the year that Brooks and Dustin both played really well. Matt Wallace was up inside the top 10 that year. So I think that he can most definitely compete here. And he kind of hits the Euro angle that I wanted to see out of it too. Anyone else down here? See, woo, Kim, $7,200. Billy Ho is only $7,200 as well. Not sure what to make of him at this point in time, but Siwoo, I think, is definitely going to be chalky here at $7,200. Maybe it'll depend. If he has a disastrous Byron Nelson, everyone's going to jump off shit, but it doesn't. It shouldn't really matter what he does at Byron Nelson. This is a Pete Dye course. It's Siwoo Kim. Play Siwoo Kim at Pete Dye courses, and even if he doesn't play all that well at Byron Nelson, he comes in with really good form, so I see no reason to go a different way. Coke Rack at 71 is a really nice price. Bobby Mack at 7000 is a really nice price. I think that is the only PGA Championship future that I actually have. I have Robert McIntyre. I think it's 175 to 1 to win this event from back in January. Uh, he is, what is he now, like 125 to 1? So no big deal there. But uh, he kind of bombs it out there. Another Euro angle type guy. I think if there's ever going to be a breakthrough for him in a major championship early on, he played really well at the Masters, earned his exemption next year by coming inside the top 12. I think he can handle this. Uh, just make some make some putts, Bobby Mack, and we'll be good to go. Cam Davis, likely to be popular at 69. Thomas Peters, if Thomas Peters has a good week at Byron Nelson, he's only $6,800. For the PGA Championship, he is going to be like 40% owned if he comes inside the top five. That's just going to be the guy that everyone looks at. Uh, Malinari is down at 68. Any big names really stick out? Sam Horsfield is coming over. Uh, He missed the cut at Valspar on the number, I believe. But he's $6,700. That's not a terrible price point for him. Rosner is way below most of the other Europeans. Like he's behind Detri and Kitayama, who are both 6,600. Rosner is also $6,600. Another one who we'll get to see in action at the Byron Nelson. Who else from down here? Okay, so here's a couple guys that I think that could make some noise here. Someone like Brennan Steele. Just if Keegan Bradley can play well enough to pop up on leaderboards uh, at this course in a major championship, I feel like Brennan Steele has a very similar skill set to what Keegan Bradley does. He does play these long par threes really well too. That I, I think that he's straight enough off the tee. He's good enough with his irons. You always have to be, you know concerned about his chipping and putting but if he can just hit a bunch of greens and regulation which could be in the cards for him i wouldn't hate that he's only sixty five hundred dollars that's the nice thing about the pga championship because you have these like 20 duds who aren't making the cut the pga of america club pros or whoever they are uh but then you get like real players down here like tom lewis is only sixty four hundred dollars ben ann if this turns into like a scramble fest and it's super difficult no no i will not let myself get sucked into Ben Ann. I won't do it. I'll probably end up doing it, but I'm going to try not to do it to the best of my capabilities. I, I, I should probably play Tom Lewis and said, oh, Smooja got into the field. He's $6,400. All right. Party Marty Laird, good on the coast, good in the wind. So you have to check the weather report with him. He's 6,300. Hadwin's down here at 6,300. Any one of no Denny McCarthy is 62. Adam Long is 62. Peter Malnati is 62. And now we're into like absolute jabronis and jim herman who's sixty one hundred dollars where are the other beam bima rich beam sixty one hundred john daly the even six thousand so i don't see anyone below 
62 that you would probably, I mean, you probably don't want to go to sit down to 62 anyway. But unlike other tournaments, you have guys like Werner is 66, Munoz is 66. I don't know who the overwhelming chalk is going to be. Siwoo really sticks out to me right now. Let's try to build the best plays lineup from the initial look that we have going on. I would assume Palmer. Palmer, and a lot of it's really going to depend on the Byron Nelson. So I'm going to throw what the results of the Byron Nelson out because they haven't happened at the time of this recording and just assume that everyone just remains neutral from where they're at right now. Ryan Palmer will be popular at $6,900. See, woo, Kim is going to be popular at $7,200. Those are probably, be, at least in my mind, the guys that jump out to me right away that are likely to be the ones that people populate their lineups with on the outset. Cameron Davis as well. So we go Palmer, C. Woo, and Cam Davis, 69 69 and $7,200. That leaves us with $9,600 remaining. I mean, if we play the good plays lineup, I mean, you're going to want to have to jam Rory in here. I, I doubt that that's what I'll end up doing at this event, but I'll do that. I'll jam in Rory and I'll go to Burger because I thought that Burger was a really nice price at $8,700. That leaves us with $8,800, which means you have Zalatoris, Finau. You know what? Paul Casey is definitely a play here. So Paul Casey was a really nice price at $7,700. So if we're calling this the play the best plays lineup, it does seem like value-wise, Paul Casey is going to be really good. So that leaves with $1,100 left. Let's take Ryan Palmer out of that lineup. That gives us $8,000 left to play with. Louie should be popular. Scott should be popular. Answer. Leishman. I mean, do you just go with Corey Connors? He's made 16 of 19 cuts. He's coming off to some great performances. I don't see anyone else who kind of sticks out as an absolute value from anyone in this range. What if we can get up a few more dollars? You got Fleetwood, Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick, with his skill set, I think that he actually could be somewhat sneaky at this course. Although, man, again, if he goes out and has a good Byron Nelson, then all of a sudden all bets are off. Day 77, Neiman 78. I mean, Neiman's perfect on the air he currently has the longest made cut stretch of any player on the pga tour so he's someone that i could see playing well here the the problem is the around the green game is so killer for him let's just call it do we call it louis hatton scott people love playing these guys hmm i guess if you drop down to like bryson or even spieth off of rory all of a sudden your team could be pretty good so let's get rid of rory for a moment <laughs> in the play of the best plays lineup, try to play the balance plays lineup. That gives us $9,700. That means we could have, oh, that doesn't quite work, that we could have Spieth and Xander, but I'll take Xander out. Decent Xander, of course. You go Xander. I'm going to go from Siwoo back down to Palmer. Does that give us enough? There we go. There's the popular plays lineup. So Xander, Spieth, Berger as the top three. Paul Casey at 77, Ryan Palmer, Cameron Davis at $6,900. That is what I am calling the play the best plays lineup. And we'll see how close the best play, play the best plays lineup matches up when I do it with Ben. And then I do it once again during the live chat on Wednesday and see how much that fluctuates over a week's time of who I perceive to be the good plays, or at least it's not really who I think are the good plays. It's who I can identify as a good value per DraftKings price. And I would expect to be rather popular when all things come down to it. Anyway, those are my initial reactions to the PGA Championship DraftKings pricing. Remember to sub to the channel, all that jazz. Check out the PGA Championship content, all the new football content that's going up, plus UFC pay-per-view this weekend too. Become a member at fantasynational.com slash mail.
right now to get 20% off, you're going to want to do that because there's a major championship and there's millions of dollars up for grabs. I'm going to have some giveaways too, so do all that. Leave a five-star review on the audio. Thank you. I'm Pat Mayo. I'll see you next time. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.